Mid-market sized businesses are where the true economic action in business really is. They are nimble and agile. They're factories of growth, they lead in innovation, and they're early adopters of tech. These enterprises need the right tools, support and environment to flourish. But sadly, they're often overlooked and undervalued. Not here though. This is the Mid-Market Matters podcast, and I'm your host, Craig West. We'll explore pain points, growth strategies, and how to find the competitive edge. Welcome to SME Radio. On this episode of Mid-Market Matters, I'm joined by Nancy Pete. Nancy's Director at Five Feathers Consulting and has some really interesting expertise and background, particularly in dealing with succession uh, with business clients and often in family business. So, Nancy, firstly, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Um, tell me a little bit about your background. You've got a background in financial services, but how did you end up working in this family business mediation succession space? Yeah, interesting, interesting transition. Um, I was in financial services for about 30 years. Um, many of those years I worked in accounting firms in their uh, financial planning area. I'm an insurance specialist, so I was primarily dealing with, with uh, businesses on unplanned succession. Right. But through that process, what I found was that um, often it was the first time that they'd really had a frank discussion about it, and frequently uh, they would find that they weren't on the same page when they started talking about you know what they wanted to happen with their equity. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw that playing out. Um, sometimes they wanted family members to be involved who perhaps um, weren't in alignment with the other owners. And so it often caused some really interesting conversations. So a couple of years ago, I decided that I was going to do a career career transition. And I landed on mediation because I thought that that was a particularly um, useful skill set and one that I had effectively been practicing for many years, but without a formal qualification. So I went and became nationally accredited and I started my business. Okay, and your business now advises medium-sized, mainly family-owned businesses around succession and... Yeah, not not always family-owned. Um, family-owned is often interesting in the succession space because... Um, yes. I see with the case study that I'm going to look at a little bit later, um, there's often so much personal stuff as well as, as business issues flying around the place that it can make it very difficult uh, for those those people to to have um, perhaps as frank discussions as you might with someone who is not related. Um, I deal with, you know, third party, um, you know, uh, unrelated directors of businesses who, um, once again, the personal relationship, we don't go into business with people who we don't know. We generally go in because we have a good relationship with them. We feel Mm -hmm. like the same page and we have the same vision, Um, but that can make difficult discussions even more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. So your main focus is mediation. Mm. Now, mediation, by definition, is handling disputes, conflicts, arguments, locate, mm. you know. Why mediation? Yeah. Why did you get into that area? Look, I think that um, firstly, many mediators come from a legal background, and I do not. So there would certainly be areas where um, perhaps a lawyer would be more suitable or if it's formal arbitration, for example. Yep. But in discussion with um, many lawyers that I dealt with, what I found was that m- much of the, the 
the issues that they are mediating don't actually require legal advice. What they require is a facilitator to simply get a conversation happening on the right track. Um, And ironically, people often go to mediation to save on legal fees. Yep. At the mediation itself starts to incur them. Yeah, yeah. But interestingly, you talked about conversations there. Often a lot of the reason they're in these conversations is because they haven't had the conversation before it gets to a point where it's a dispute, right? Well, it, it becomes a dispute when they start to have the conversation. So I think with what Succession Plus does um, is fabulous because effectively you're transitioning people into that over a period of time and not waiting until the last minute. Yeah, it's often, we often see that the most difficult clients we deal with have waited too long. Yes. They've left things too late. It becomes very difficult to, it's not something you can rush. It's a fairly major decision. And so the earlier we start, the better generally. Yeah. Um, And I think it becomes- a little bit about what you see in families, what sort of conflicts are are people experiencing? Where do they, where do these disputes come from? Um, Look, often it's about, um, it revolves around succession. Um, funnily enough, sometimes a lot of sibling rivalry, rivalry comes into it. And interestingly, um, in, in mediating those sorts of situations, what we often find is it's not really about what's happening now at all. It actually goes back to events in their childhood that they're still holding grudges about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and yet that still transfers into the business environment. So it can be quite interesting. Yeah, we actually, I had a very interesting case, um, family-owned business, where there was a major dispute and the spouse refused to sign contracts. And when we got down to it, it was actually about a Christmas card that she'd received from one of her business partners about five or six years before, which she took as them having a go at her. Um, <laughs> and she kept it. She still had it in her handbag. Oh, God, in her handbag. <laughs> And that really did cause a lot of drama in that particular business. It's quite interesting to see what people hang on to from a long time ago, as you said. So in terms of case studies and examples of where you've worked with clients, what's worked well, what, what have you seen happen? I'd love to hear some of your experiences. Look, I, I, think, I think the major premise of, of mediation is that um, it's a voluntary process. So uh, court-ordered mediation is a very different beast. Um, generally, the people, the parties are not even speaking to each other. They're speaking via their barristers, whereas uh, predetermined mediation or, you know, voluntary mediation means that people want to find a solution. They're just not sure how to go about it. Right. Um, and they're not sure to go about it. They're not sure how to start the conversation, how to manage it, what, what to say, you know, what does that look like? Well, for, for anybody who has been in any sort of a, a dispute, either in business or personally, uh, you do find that when only the parties involved are having a conversation, that it very quickly can spiral downwards and become um, very personal. Yeah, name calling and you said yeah. this, she said that, I said this, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the other benefit of mediation is that there is a confidentiality clause in the mediation agreement. So what that means is that people perhaps feel a lot freer to really lay their cards on the table and put all of their issues out. What we frequently find is there 
is an elephant or sometimes even two in the room. <laughs> Discussing. Yeah. And when it comes out, um, quite often the other party hasn't even been aware that that has been an issue. And it can really cause some, uh, some coming together to find a solution more so than had they not had that information. So, you know, many studies have shown that, that the more information that's on the table, the better decisions get made. And I think that that becomes really clear when you're working in a mediation environment. Yeah, and so it's, as you said, it's the things that might be five years ago that someone just hasn't said or doesn't mm. even know is an issue, but that's actually what's driving the behaviour. Yeah, or something that's current that hasn't been said. Yeah, okay. And, yeah. and quite often there's there's a degree of surprise on the part of the other person because they just had no idea that it had come across that way, that it affected them that way or or whatever. So even in that, all of a sudden it can bring a coming together. Yep. Because Interesting, eh? It. Yes. So I'm interested to hear um, perhaps a case study of maybe where you've worked in this mediator type role and been able to resolve an issue or a conflict. Mm, yeah, well, it, it was a family business. It was um, started by the father when the children were quite young. He started from nothing. He had grown it into a, a very large and very successful business. And as the children grew up and finished their education, they joined the business. Mum was not really involved on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, however, the children had been a part of the business for a number of years Dad still owned 100% of the equity. Dad was still the managing director. Dad still made all of the decisions. Um, and the, the, the two children had at various times made suggestions of um, perhaps how to, to modernize some things, how to bring in some, te some technology. And dad sort of heard them, but he never ever tried anything. Right. Um, so they felt like they were unheard. They felt like they could make improvements in the business, but they weren't giving the opportunity to have the input to do so. And they also wanted some ownership. They'd worked in the business for a number of years as employees virtually, and they wanted to have a say in the direction and to have some equity. Right. So, so how this actually occurred is it was the mother who contacted me. Uh, yep, trying to keep being, together, right? Yeah, being the sounding board for all three was putting her in a very difficult situation. Yeah, absolutely. She actually wanted uh, her husband to start to wind down a little bit. Yep. And he was dead set against it because he basically had no outside hobbies. <laughs> right. This was his life, and that often happens when we started something from seed and worked in it for many, many years, that you do tend to live, breathe, and, and work it. Yep, absolutely you do. And, of course, the children were frustrated. So um, the mother actually broached mediation with them, and I had a conversation with them all separately, which is, a you know, the standard sequence of events. Uh, not all situations are suitable to mediation. Let's put that on the table. Uh, yes. It really depends on how long the conflict has been going on, what it involves, the degree of animosity, et cetera. So the, the first step of any mediation process is for the mediator to meet with the parties separately and, confidential, and confidentially and to just get their perspective on what's going on. Right. 
And at that stage, if the mediator deems that it's appropriate, they will then be asked to sign an agreement to mediate. And when they do that, they also sign the confidentiality portion of it. So confidentiality, I find, is just so critical to this process. Yeah. In any case, uh, we went to mediation. Uh, Everybody got a chance to have their say. So the the process looks like um, we come in, everybody has a chance to have their say. There are rules. There are guidelines. Um, People need to be um, civil. And they, they basically agree to the ground rules. And if they start to step out of line, then it's up to the mediator to bring it back in yeah. to where it needs to be. And that in itself uh, is... That's a full-time job, right? Well, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as I said, it is a voluntary process. Generally, there is a relationship there that people are trying to save in whatever that looks like. Yes. And they... Um, so it's in their best interest to not only be heard, but also to hear. So you go in turn, everybody has their say. Um, The children expressed what their concerns were. Um, The wife expressed what her concerns were in terms of, you know, him starting to wind back a little bit. And um, he also expressed his, his desire to keep going. And from those conversations, what we do is we agree on an agenda. Right. Usually three or four agenda items, no more than that. Um, but generally what you find is that there's common ground between everybody and there are are, are also uh, specific areas of dispute that are very defined. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you go through the agenda items, everybody discusses them, everybody has their say, and then it's a breakout for the mediator to actually meet with each of them separately again and to try to come up with some solutions, do some reality testing. Right. Um, and and discover, it, it, it's a term that we use in mediation, it's called um, BATNA, which is what is the best alternative to a negotiated agreement? If we can't come to an agreement today, what does the best outcome look like? Right. And it's not very good or they wouldn't be in mediation. Yeah, true, yeah. Um, so keeping that in context, people are far more willing to give a little bit and to take a little bit. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and then we all come back into the room together once those those various meetings have been done and they put their solutions on the table. So I, I need to make it clear that a mediator is not a solution bringer. We are a solution facilitator. And when people come up with their own solutions and if they can come to agreement on it, then they all own it. Yes. The likelihood of them being compliant with it is far greater than if I try to give them a solution. So your job is not to walk in there and say, okay, here's what you should do, bang, bang, bang. It's more about, okay, what do you think? What do you think? How do we come together and get some kind of agreement? Yes. And when when they come up with ideas to reality test them. You know, how do you think that they're going to react to that? Do you think that that's going to be acceptable? Is there in a way that we can adjust it? Right. The conversation. And once again, everything that happens in those private meetings is completely confidential. Um, and, and quite often information comes out that hasn't come out in the broader meeting. Yes. Um, and so as a mediator, part of the skill set is to somehow allow that to come out naturally so that the other people are aware. Yeah. Yeah. That is actually part of the conversation. 
So they might be happier to say something to you privately that they wouldn't say in front of mum and dad or in front of their brother or whatever it might be. Correct. Yep. Correct. That makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, the, the outcome of this was very good. Um, the children were, were immediately going to become directors. Yep. Uh, dad agreed that he would transfer 20% of his shares, 10% to each of the children. Yep. And he also uh, gave 5% to mum. Yep. Uh, they put a governance structure in place, which was lacking, so that board meetings were held regularly, items were minuted, um, and they also organised operational meetings every week so that they could discuss what was happening and what needed to happen. Right. He also agreed to put the daughter in charge of exploring technology solutions. Okay, yep. And the son was responsible for the production and introducing the products, you know, where that was applicable. Okay. Dad remained the managing director, but yes. half of that equation was that they came to an agreement that over the next 10 years, he would continue to transfer shares to the children until at the end of 10 years, he ended up with 25%, which would create a pension for him and his wife. Yep. And as he transferred shares, he would reduce his working hours over time. So it was a decade-long transition period. Yes. But if they hadn't started it when they did, firstly, the children might very well have gone somewhere else. They were very frustrated. And they loved their, they loved their parents and they loved the business, but they just felt like they weren't being heard. And they were well into their 30s at this point. Yeah. So um, all in all, it was a good outcome. And the governance structures meant that um, there was a structure and a time for discussion that was scheduled and that was regular. Yeah. Mm. So that was okay. an ideal outcome. Yeah, good outcome. And that's and you, your view is that's largely because of that mediation process where we can get to air our side of the story, if you like, and have a chat about what's important. Yes. And we can also hear what's important to everybody else in an environment that isn't emotionally charged. Yeah, where we're not trying to start an argument. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Or, or maybe even not trying to start an argument, but simply it happens naturally. <laughs> it's just part of, yeah, because we've got baggage from years ago, as you said before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so if I'm a business owner and I've got, you know, a family issue, often we're talking about family-owned businesses, but I've seen the same sort of issues come with, you know, independent shareholders that have been in business for 20 years and there's always something that happened. Yep. Um, where do we start with this process? Well, I think the first thing is to um, to decide if you really want to solve the issue without um, taking it to more formal boundaries. Um, and if you do and if you can broach that with the other party and they do, then by all means, contact a mediator. Um, I'm a member of the Resolution, Resolution Institute, and there is a, a directory of mediators around the country on that, and New Zealand, as a matter of fact. Resolution Institute? Yes. Okay. Based in Sydney. Great. Yeah. All right. So um, before we wrap things up, a couple of questions for you, if you don't mind. Yep. Firstly, um, what's your number one tip for business owners? Uh, don't let things escalate to a point where they feel irredeemable. Get yeah, in early. Nice. 
So get in early as you can. As soon as you're aware there's a problem, get in early and do something about resolving it, not letting it yeah. fester away. Yes. Yeah. Because the festering is damaging. Yeah. And yeah. escalating. And it'll get worse and worse, obviously. Well, if it's not dealt with, then generally that's what happens. And either the business, you know, decides to dissolve or in some way do a split or, or whatever, or people leave. Yeah. All of which is quite damaging to the value of the business and the, the Absolutely. future wealth, et cetera. Absolutely. And you lose, you lose skill sets as well. Yes. Okay. Mm. So you know, how you, do people get in touch with you? If they want more information or they need some help in the area that you're uh, obviously an expert in, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, I have a website. It's www.fivefeathers.com.au. Uh, you can also get me on nancy at fivefeathers.com.au or feel free to ring on 0412-421-919. Fantastic. Nancy, thanks for all of that information. Some really interesting examples of how that should work. And uh, I'm sure if people need help, they can either look at the Resolution Institute or Five Feathers. And uh, thank you again for joining us. It's been very helpful. My pleasure. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for listening to Mid-Market Matters. I hope you found this episode helpful and informative for your business. To find out more, go to midmarketmatters.com.au and to download other episodes, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening.